This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Are you a woman running a small business, or do you know a female entrepreneur? As part of Visa Canada's commitment to support small businesses and female entrepreneurs, they've partnered with iFund Women to offer $10,000 grants and a year of business coaching to 10 deserving applicants. Learn more and apply at ifundwomen.com forward slash visa hyphen Canada today. That's ifundwomen.com forward slash visa hyphen Canada. If you love your butter but hate what it's doing to your toast, then you need to know about Buttergate. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, Sylvain Charbois, professor and director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in Halifax, explained why you may have noticed a change in your butter spreadability. He and others have theorized that Canadian dairy farmers started using more palmitic acid during the pandemic as the demand for butter increased, and that change is making butter physically harder. The uproar this incited is being called Buttergate, and there are good reasons to care. First off, palm oil products raise serious ethical questions. But my guest also said Buttergate marks the first time he's seen the dairy farmers of Canada respond to consumer concerns so directly. And this is important. Ask farmers to stop using palmitic acid. Buttergate is a story about Canada's dairy business, how it controls prices and production through supply management, the industry's blue cow campaign, which promises quality local products. And this is also about transparency in the global food chain. As always, it was edited for clarity and brevity. Sylvain Charbois, thanks so much for joining me today. No problem. So the butter in Canada that's made in Canada, it's got more body. It's not jiggling like it used to. It's not as easily spreadable. (laughs) Jiggling, yeah. (laughs) I want to start at the beginning, though. When did you notice that the butter was different? Probably back in December. Uh, I was hearing uh, rumors about it before. I didn't believe it. Uh, It was actually making making cookies for my kids uh, on December 29th. I, I remember the date. It was a couple of days before New Year's, and uh, I was cooking away, and I thought, geez, this butter so... And I thought it's because I was in Quebec, and oh, maybe the, the butter's harder here now. I don't know. And then I, when I came back, it was the same here you know, in, in Halifax. So. And so you realized there was something different, and you started to study this more. And then uh, I saw a memo... Uh, released by the British Columbia Dairy Board, outlining problems with foaming and milk and uh, some issues with free fatty acids. And that really raised some red flags for me. So I spoke to processors in the fall, in the winter, early winter. I, I knew there was something wrong. And of course, more and more people were sharing their experiences on social media. I, I Really, in the last couple of weeks, I've had probably well over a thousand people uh, either emailing me, sharing me the experience on Twitter about their uh, issues with, uh, with butter. Right. And then it took off from there to Buttergate. To Buttergate, yeah. I, did you know that I coined the, the, the term? No, I, was I didn't. The first one to say it, yeah. How'd you come up with it? I just, I just uh, hashtag Buttergate. I think it was <laughs> early February or something. <gasps> Buttergate in the making. I just, I just tweeted out like, like that, and, and nobody, 
nobody know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you want social change, you need a brand. If your message is too complicated, people just won't get it. The Buttergate hashtag branded the problem. The pro- I don't call it a scandal or a controversy. I, I call it a problem because it's been the same problem for many, many years. The problem needed social media to be fixed. And that's what we saw this week. Right. That's what I wanted to stop and ask you about. You, you've taken a position that basically this is a, a breach of contract, that the dairy industry should not be adding stuff like this. But can you just tell me a little bit more about that position? Now, we still don't know what the cause of all this is why the texture of, of butters change, the color, the smell. We don't know for sure. And that's why I'm happy that there's there's an investigation and, and Dairy Farmers Canada have asked uh, farmers to cease the practice as of yesterday. So that's uh, certainly good news for everyone. So we can actually do a deep dive into, into farming practices. But because of the lack of transparency, and, and this is this is not unusual, it's always been like this in dairy, Canadians were caught off guard. Clearly, over the last two weeks, we saw Canadians shocked when they learned that palmatic supplements were used as uh, as an energy supplement uh, on farms, at dairy farms. And uh, and we do have a, a government-sanctioned quota system in Canada. We compensate them for almost $2 billion in the next three years. We pay our butter more than other places around the world on average. In return, we're, we're expecting quality. So when you, thro- when you throw palm oil in the mix, a product coming from abroad, into the mix, into an industry that really promotes locally produced food, it, it just doesn't marry well with the image of the industry overall. And that's why I think it really just got people to think about their relationship with the dairy sector, which is really important. So we're not talking about Nutella. I mean, there's palm oil everywhere, but dairy is different. Yeah. So we'll, ha- we'll t- get to palm oil in a second. But I mean, just to your point, the supply management system is interesting. Every- everyone has a quota on production, which guards against overproduction. And that enables right. farmers to earn a stable living. That's right. Some people would say that in and of itself is a good thing because in the U.S., they went from having these sort of small family-run dairy farms to these huge dairy farms, leaving aside the sort of lack of transparency with butter management. There are benefits to supply production, right? That's right. Supply management has to remain, but it, it, uh, it doesn't have to be opaque. I mean, transparency is a choice. Boards have a choice to be transparent. Uh, or not. They they just chose not to. This week was an historical week, you know. I've never seen uh, any evidence that boards were interested in listening to the game public until this week. As an observer for 25 years now, I, I would say that this week was really important for the dairy sector. The Dairy Farmers of Canada really have shown leadership. I mean, it started in Quebec, let's be honest. Quebec was the first to fold uh, on a Wednesday telling its members it was time to stop. But Quebec harbors half of the dairy farms in Canada. So it was just a matter of time before the rest of the country followed. So I knew on Wednesday night it was over. And it was the first time that I saw a dairy industry wanting to listen to consumers, really listen. People were concerned. They were outraged. They were shocked. 
And then they said, the, the dairy farmers of Canada went from two weeks ago saying there's no problem to February 19th. They said, well, there may be a problem. We'll actually create a committee to yesterday saying to Canadians, we're going to stop doing it for now. And, and it's a sort of testament, I guess, to how people's attitudes and connection to the food they eat has changed in the last decade or two, where people really want to know things that are local. Oh, absolutely. Now, coming out of this, even though this week was a good week for dairy farmers, we are going to be facing some headwinds. So the industry will have to figure out, okay, so what's the cause of providing low-quality dairy products to Canadians? So they'll look into it. They'll see whether or not the texture has changed. I've been asked by dairy farmers, do you have any evidence that the texture has changed in a year? And I've always responded, well, do you have any evidence that it hasn't? (laughs) That's part of the problem, you know? There's no measurement. There's no assessment. We take a lot of... We're assuming that whatever goes on on farms won't impact the integrity of food products sold at retail. We can't do that anymore. So that, that connection needs to happen. That's one thing. Now, let's say for ethical and moral reasons, their farmers decide, well, palmatic acids are no longer acceptable. Well, we're going to be replacing these acids with what? And right now, there's basically no option. That's the danger. So that being said, on the consumer side, my concern is is supply. I mean, in the last 12 months, demand for butter went up 26%. That's because we're all stuck at home in the pandemic. People are baking bread, they're baking cakes, they're cooking at home more. Well, part of it has to do with the fact that the food service industry was severely affected by COVID, like a lot of restaurants closed. So some of that business went from service to retail. But 26% is a lot. This is why I think palmatic acids had to be involved somehow. They've been able to respond to this hike of 26% with fewer cows, not more, fewer. Now, how do you do that? How do you produce more butter fat with fewer cows? That's the question I'd like to ask. That's where palmatic acid comes in, right? Well, it's one possibility. You can be a master in in animal feed and do different things with corn and and another forage. But I, I do question, how do they do it? Like, wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. So that's one question that I have. And how do you do that without affecting the integrity of the product in the end? I mean, those are both great questions. I wanted to stop a second because probably for a lot of people, you know, they don't necessarily know what palmitic acid is. But if you do know, I think it's associated with deforestation. It's associated with that's burning right. rainforests clearing lands for plantations where you can grow palm trees that have the fruit, which often means displacing indigenous people. That's right. Now, the argument from the dairy perspective is that it is a byproduct of palm oil. It's, it's not palm oil. So it's a product that is being repurposed. So you could argue that the byproduct is actually sustainable, but it comes from the same plant. So, and a lot of people are concerned about the exploitation of palm oil, producing palm oil in the first place. You wouldn't still have to deforest to get to the uh, the kernels. <laughs> right. There's also been a movement in the last five, 10 years to make it a more responsible industry because there are a lot of small farmers in emerging countries that derive their livelihood from palm oil. And it's, it's an extremely efficient way to get oil. Yeah. Palm oil is sort of a double-edged sword. Oh, absolutely. 
Now, I'm not an expert in palm oil production. I, all I can tell you is it, it is the most popular vegetable oil in the world. It's a widely used, controversial. What really is concerning for me is that you have the Blue Cow Campaign in Canada. Again, this is not Nutella. This is dairy. Uh, the Blue Cow Campaign, produced by dairy farmers right here in Canada, a highly protected industry. You want to protect them. We want to take care of our dairy farmers. Why aren't they buying a supplement that is made in Canada? They should actually do some research and try to develop alternatives for our farmers to use a Canadian-made canola. It was is Canadian-made. And so why not do something with that? Yeah, right now you can, but with some research, I suspect you can come up with something. Is canola the only obvious alternative? Like, is there known dietary supplements you can give that will help cows increase production? I'm sure you can come up with a solution with the grains we grow here, right here in Canada. We've we've figured out a lot of things over the years, and and it with with genetics, with plant. I mean, we got some outstanding plant scientists in Canada. I'm sure we can come up with something to support our animal scientists. And who knows? Buttergate went viral. I did interviews with Ireland, Australia, Austria, France the United States three times, the New York Times. The International Dairy Association is considering doing the same thing as Canada just did. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, when you think about research, I mean, there's probably potential for a global market here. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But I think most of our food, there really isn't any transparency about what the animals are eating, what hormones or medication they're getting. I mean, this is an opportunity in a way for maybe all farmers that there needs to be more transparency. Is that the takeaway? Yeah. And I I would say, I mean, it's not beef, it's not pork, it's supply-managed dairy. It's very different. Like I said, I mean, we are protecting these people. Producing milk and butter fat is a privilege for the few. Want to have cattle tomorrow? Go ahead. Uh, Hogs? No problem. Dairy? You can't. So this is something we need to think about as we move forward. Now, the one bad news, I guess, for consumers uh, coming out of this week is given what palmitic acids can do and given the fact that they are now prohibited, I wouldn't be surprised at some point if we see shortages or low inventories of butter. Right. Well, this is a good opportunity for everyone to run out to their store. You can't get rid of, of something like this overnight and, and not see the implications. Today, this week was pretty big. And so I do expect inventories to be tight for a while. I wanted to just go back to one thing you just said about th- there's a privileged few that get to be dairy farmers. They may be able to sort of lead this, but this seems like an issue that's coming for everyone because people who consume butter don't necessarily know about supply management. And it seems to me people's attitudes about food and the way they eat it yeah. is just rapidly changing. Is this the tip of the iceberg, I guess, is my question? Uh, I think it's the start of a new era for sure. You see, people don't understand necessarily supply management and economics of, of milk distribution, but they do understand two things. Butter shouldn't be destroying toast in the morning. <laughs> and the other thing is palm oil. Palm oil is not great. doesn't fit well with dairy in Canada. They understand those two things, and that's probably why we saw the reaction this week. Wow. That's an interesting observation about it. 
I've been doing it for 25 years, so I know the problem pretty well. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for this week to really, wow, this is a this is an opportunity for people to really understand what the hell's going on. <laughs> what types of changes do you think we'll see that this could trigger? Well, dairy farmers, they need to open up. The transparency thing is they don't have to be transparent because they regulate themselves. But so they know and they alone know what goes into their final products. Every single dairy farmer this week feel that they were crucified for no reason because they weren't doing anything wrong and they're right. They weren't because they were just doing what they were told to do. They didn't break the law. The problem is that when you actually run a closed system, how can you possibly know what's ethically, ethically and morally acceptable anymore? And so what do you think? Do you think that we're going to end up seeing more transparency about exactly how our dairy products go from farm to table? I'm, I'm hoping. I, I, that's, that's probably, if you're asking me for a wish, the one wish I hope uh, I, I have coming out of this is, is certainly that. What other information would you like to see disclosed? Uh, well, I mean, uh, of course, I, I think Canadians deserve better products. They're not great. I mean, cane butter is not good. <laughs> it hasn't been great for years. And so let's let's make sure it's good. You know? You've been to Europe, haven't you? Have I you have. ever been to Europe? Yeah. Have you ever tasted the difference? There's there's some good butters out there. There's some really good cheeses. Like if you go to France, I mean the French, they take their butter pretty seriously. Yeah. So that, I think we need, we, we, because of supply management, we should aspire to reach really high level quality dairy products. I, I think we can do it. And I mean, what would that entail? Would that just entail sort of more expensive products or would it entail changes to the way we operate our dairies? I, I think it's a mixture of both, uh, of different things. Uh, I, I, need, I think a lot of people want to sell good quality dairy products. Uh, across the country. I mean, dairy farmers don't have to compete. That's the regime that we're in. But certainly because of going back to the moral contract we have with them, I think they should be serving the public. That's why I've always believed that milk and butter fat are public goods in Canada. It's not like beef or it's not like Nutella or anything else. It's, it's, it's dairy. It's different. Well, Sylvain, I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk to me about this. And I really appreciate your insights. My pleasure. That was Sylvain Charbois, professor and director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in Halifax. The first thank you goes to the listeners. And if you enjoyed this show, you can share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. But a big thank you is also owed to the team behind this episode. Bryce Hall for music and production, Yadula Hussein for editing, and Pamela Heaven for web support. I'm Gabe Friedman, host of Down to Business. And until next week, you can find all your business news at financialpost.com.